will take to hell one day because they're just concerned about what are people going to think, you know. Man, who cares? Who cares what people think? And so I dare say probably in a crowd this size, there's somebody else this morning that's battling as well. And so I hope you'll let that testimony just spur you on to, to, to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn over to, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 21. We've taken some time for other things today, but this, this morning is more like a Bible study, uh, like a Bible lesson that I want to try to give you today. And we'll really, we'll really try to do some preaching tonight as I'm going to bring another, what I would call a timely message for the church this evening. I hope that you'll be here. In light of all that's going on in our nation, Lord willing, tonight I'll bring a message called Wearing Out the Saints. Wearing Out the Saints. But I've got a secondary title, and I can't decide which one to use, but the secondary title is We Win in the End. And we do. We do win in the end. So, you know what? Don't, don't watch all these newscasts and all these political things that are going on and think, man, you know, there is no hope. Oh, listen, for the child of God, there's plenty of hope today. And we win in the end. There's no doubt about that. And so I want to encourage you to be back in the Lord's house tonight at 6 p.m., well, let me give you a Bible outline, a Bible lesson this morning, and uh, that's what it'll be. But I, I, think, I think I'll say a few things that'll, that'll be helpful and encourage you today. I'm going to give you three main points, but I'm just going to hasten real quickly th uh, through the first two because I want to get to the last one, and that's where I want to camp out just for, uh, just for a few moments today. And so Genesis chapter 21 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us, out of respect for the reading of God's holy word, Genesis chapter 21, we're just going to read three short verses and then have a word of prayer and jump right uh, into it today. Genesis 21 and verse number 1. And the Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. I want you to notice verse number two, if you will. That's our text. The Bible says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. At the set time. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. God has a set time. He really does. God has a set time. We say this all the time. God has a perfect plan and a perfect purpose. And, uh, and so someone said, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? And so all these things that are going on, Christian, take courage. This pandemic, you know what? This is not a, this is not a oops to the Lord. He knew this was coming. He knew all these things were going to happen. I think about Brother Eugene down here, and, and I see Miss Lynn down here today, Miss Lynn back from Michigan, and these 
sad things that have unfolded in their life in the last little bit. But you know what? God has a perfect plan. And God has the grace to get them through their situation. And God has the grace to get you through your situation today. And so let's talk about that set plan or that set time just a little bit today. You may be seated. And let's pray and we'll jump into the Bible lesson this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back in God's house today. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your miracles Lord, thank you for the precious Spirit of God and His moving already, Lord. And I'm glad that He doesn't have to wait until we unlock the church doors. Lord, this is just the building. Lord, it wasn't really the church until the church got here. Lord, the church is the people. I thank you for the beautiful campus that you've blessed us with. But God, we're even more thankful for these people that you've assembled together. And thank you, Lord, for your precious Holy Spirit is working. I just really feel like in my heart this morning that, Lord, there's somebody else in this service right now and that the Spirit of God right now is working. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion this morning concerning this thing of a set time. And I pray that we'll, we'll learn. We're going to be very biblical today. We're going to be in our Bibles quite a bit this morning, maybe more than we normally would on a Sunday morning. But Lord, I pray that you'll take this time and I pray that you'll teach us something and I pray that because of this that our wonderful Savior will receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. We love you and praise you. ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Genesis 21 verse number 2. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And so it would at least appear that God had a set time all along that he was going to perform this miracle. You know the miracle. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make your generations as the stars of heaven. And at that time, Abraham had no child. He had a servant living in his home and Abraham thought that this servant would be his heir and God came to Abraham and said, that's not going to be your heir. God, God said, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham, you know, Abraham's thinking, yeah, but Lord, but this and but that and, and I'm up in age and Sarah's up in age. She's not far behind me and, and how can these things be? But we understand here that God had a set time. In fact, I want you to look with me, if you will, back a page or two to Genesis chapter 17 and look at verse number 21, Genesis 17 and verse 21. The Bible says, but my covenant, God said, but my covenant will I, will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Turn over with me to Genesis chapter 18 and look at verse number 10. Genesis 18, verse number 10. And the Bible says, and he said, I will certainly Return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. By the way, you remember the story. What happens after that, don't you? She laughed. She laughed. And the Lord came and said, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, no, you laughed. You know why she laughed? She didn't believe it. She was an old woman by this time. And and the days of childbearing were, had come and gone a long time ago. And, 
And here God said, Sarah, I want you to understand that I had a set time for this thing. But God, you don't understand all the difficulties and all the complications. And God said, it doesn't matter about all the difficulties and the complications. I have a set time. Look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 14. The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then he said, at the time, what? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Now it was way back, we didn't read this today, but it was way back in Genesis chapter 15 that God promises to give Abraham and Sarah a son. Now up uh, up until this point, they're childless. They have no child. And God comes and God says, you know what? I'm I'm gonna give you a child even though you're well past those childbearing years. I'm gonna give you a child. Now here's the clincher. And here's the part that I, I want you to really tune in on. So God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make your seed as the stars of heaven. But then we notice here that God waits for at least 13 years before he even comes back to Abraham and reminds him of that promise and then finally brings it to pass. I believe with all my heart that God, the whole time, God had a set time that he had planned on doing this miracle. But here's the problem. Abraham became impatient and decided not to wait on the Lord. You know the story. Abraham and Sarah uh, come together to, you know what, since God's not going to come through, then we'll come up with our own plan. And so uh, Sarah comes to Abraham and she says, Abraham, I've got this little Egyptian handmaid named Hagar and uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's evident I'm not going to have a baby. And so you go in into her and, and, uh, and uh, uh, she can serve as a surrogate and, and we'll have a child by her. And, and so sure enough, that's what Abraham does. He follows the lead of his wife. Uh, mistake, by the way, a terrible mistake. And, uh, and he goes into, into Hagar and Hagar gets pregnant and she gives birth to Ishmael. And now ever since that day, we've had problems in the Middle East. From that day until this day, there's been no rest because Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God. Now you say, preacher, how does that apply to me? You know what? We see it in the lives of Christian people all the time who become impatient with God. You pray about something. You ask God about something and, and you're, you're trying to, to live by faith and you're believing God and, and it seems like God's not coming through. It seems like God's not answering your prayers. It seems like God is, is not hearing you and if you're not careful, it's easy to become discouraged. It's easy if you're not careful to even become a little bit indifferent and bitter toward the Lord. Well, I guess God's not interested I prayed and prayed and prayed about this thing and God evidently hasn't heard me and so God, I guess you don't care about me. I guess you care about brother so-and-so. I guess you care about sister so-and-so because I saw you do a miracle in their life but I've been praying for this miracle for years now and it seems like you're not hearing me but I want you to understand something that just because God doesn't work on your timeline doesn't mean that God is not hearing you and it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a set time that he's gonna come through for you. Understand God, God hears you. A set time. A set time. 
Can I give you a couple things by way of introduction this morning? How about this? Number one, how about this? The Lord has a set time for the sum of your days or the years of your life. Would you take your Bibles this morning and turn over to Psalm chapter 90 with me? Psalm chapter 90, we're just going to hit this, go to the next one, then we're going to camp out on the last point just for a few moments today. Uh, Psalm chapter 90, and look, if you will, please, at verse number 9 this morning. I was reading this this week in my devotions, and it really spoke to my heart, and I wanted to give it to you today. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 9, the psalmist said, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Now look what he says. The days of our years are three score. That's three times 20. That's 60. Three score years and 10. That's 70. And if by reason of strength they be four score years or 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Look what he says here. So teach, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what the, the psalmist is saying there? Lord, you know how many days I have to live, but I don't. And so Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to understand that, you know what? Life is short and life is fragile and it could be that it won't be long before my life comes to an end. We didn't know that, that uh, uh, you know, just weeks ago, we didn't know that Melinda would, 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 would be ushered into eternity. Now God knew, that's the thing God knew. And so, you know what, this wasn't something that caught, caught God off guard. God knew that was going to happen. He knows how many days you have. He knows how many days I have. But here's the thing, we don't know. And since we don't know, you know what we've got to do? We've got to get in, we've got to get on fire for God and then get serving the Lord. Listen, you don't have any time to waste. You don't have any time to wait. Well, you say, preacher, I'm just 16 years old. I'm 17, 18 years old. And one of these days when I'm 28, I'm going to be the hottest thing on the block for God. Listen, you don't know the sum of your days. Your days may be 18. Sometimes a teenager goes out. Funeral home's just packed. And somebody says, you know, what a shame. They, they, they died prematurely. Maybe not. You know what? God knew that they had 18 years. I don't know how much time you've got. I don't know, I, I hope to be here tonight to preach to you, but I don't know that I'll be here tonight to preach to you. Before you get back tonight, you may hear the news that, that uh, uh, pastors went to heaven, that pastor had a heart attack, that pastor was in a car accident. And, and so I don't know, I don't know how many days I have, but I do know this, with all the breath that I have and the days that I have, I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has a set time for the sum of your days. How about this? Oh, I like this one. The Lord has a set time for his soon return. Now, I would say this, nobody else knows that time. And if anybody tells you they know, <laughs> they don't know. The Bible says no man knows that day. No man knows the hour. This morning when I was uh, sitting in my study and just trying to spend a little time with the Lord and, and get ready for the service, and all of a sudden, man, things begin to shake a little bit, and I, and I thought, whoa, man, maybe the trumpet's right behind it. Amen. I mean, maybe, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day, August the 9th, 2020. And by the way, man, wouldn't 2020 be a great day for God to come again? <laughs> Now, I don't know when he's coming. You don't know when he's coming, but he knows. And he has a set time that he's coming. 
That's why the Bible challenges us in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 13. We are to occupy till he comes. That word occupy means to busy thyself with the work of the master. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number, verse number 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't have time to waste. You're here this morning and you're 15 and 16 years old and God is doing a work in your heart and, and you say, preacher, when I'm 18, I'm gonna surrender to preach. Don't wait till you're 18. Start preaching now. You say, Pastor, I, one of these days I'm going to surrender to be a missionary. Surrender now. Man, we don't have time to wait. God has a set time. He has a set time. But I want to go a step further, and I want to stay here just for a few moments. And I, I really feel like there's somebody here this morning that really needs this point. Number next is this. The Lord has a set time for satisfying your prayer request. Now, listen to me. It may seem like God's not here. Somebody here this morning, you've been praying about a, a certain thing, maybe a family member, maybe a situation at work, maybe a health affliction, and you've been praying and praying and praying, and it just seems like it just seems like you've prayed and you've poured your heart out to the Lord, and, and it just seems like that, that God's not hearing your prayer. And this is all I'm saying. If you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, it's easy for us to become like Abraham, and we become impatient, and we say, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe the Lord's not going to do this. Maybe I need to do something instead. Maybe I need to help God out, uh, and so a lot of times we get impatient. Sometimes we get aggravated, and sometimes we feel like God doesn't care, but I want you to understand that God has a set time for everything, even for answering your prayers. I want to give you just a, a, a few thoughts this morning that I think will help you. How about this? Number one, that set time may be when you're willing to fast and pray. Let me ask you a question. How serious are you about getting that answer to prayer? Somebody says, preacher, I prayed. What's going on? I mean, I prayed and, and God hasn't answered. Let me ask you a question. How serious are you? I mean, how serious about getting that answer to prayer are you? Last night, Michael and Jennifer came over to our house about 11 o'clock. And literally, when my wife opened the door, Michael burst into the house. It was on. I mean, buddy, from the minute he walked in, it was on. And I honestly, I thought about this, and I shared this with my wife this morning. I said, I think if he would have had to make a hole in the roof last night, he would have done it. I think I see now. I see the urgency that those men had that day when they were taking that crippled man to the Lord and they said, you know what? One way or another, we're going to get him to the Lord. They were determined. They were absolutely determined that they were going to get what they wanted from the Lord. And I just wonder, how determined are you to get your answers to prayer? Can I ask this? Are you determined enough to fast and pray? We don't hear much preaching on fasting anymore. Can I show you some scripture this morning? Would you take your Bibles with me, please, and turn over to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 16. Matthew 17, verse 16. A father has brought a lunatic son to the disciples. 
He's demon-possessed, a demon-possessed boy, and, and, uh, and he's just at his wit's end. He brings this young boy to the disciples, and the, the, the Bible says the disciples couldn't cast them out. Look what happened. Matthew 17, verse 16, he says to the Lord, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? And then Jesus said, bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Look what he says here. How be it, how be it, this kind. What's he talking about? This kind of power, this kind of prayer, this kind of miracle, this kind goeth not out but by what? But by prayer and fasting. Ask your question, church. How serious are you about getting that bill paid? How serious are you about that child coming back to the Lord? How serious are you about getting healing from the Lord? Listen, I, I, I want to tell you what. God's still the great physician. God is still able. God's still able to heal. God's still able to save. God's still able to bless. And by the way, Baptist, you don't have to bow your head about that. He is able. Amen. I serve the same God Moses served. I serve the same God Elijah served. He still has the same power. It hasn't waned a bit. He's a God of greatness. He's a God of glory. I want to ask you a question. How serious are you about getting that prayer request answered? You know what? When we come to that place where we're so serious that we're saying, we're willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to deny my own pleasures. Lord, I'm not going to eat. Lord, I love breakfast, but I'm not going to touch breakfast today because I want you to know how serious I am about this request. Lord, I, I, I love supper, but I'm, I'm not going to touch supper today because I want you to know how serious I am. Fasting. By the way, fasting's not just, not just a, a meal. You know what, some of you teenagers here this morning, you say, preacher, I had a prayer request and I've been praying, praying, praying about it and, and it seems like God's not hearing me. Ask a question. Are you serious enough to cut your cell phone off for 24 hours? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Are you serious enough about God hearing your prayer that you're willing to give up PlayStation for a week? You're willing not to play those games on your phone for a while? That thing that you love to do, that, that, that thing that you really enjoy, that food that you really, is, you really find pleasurable, but you're, you're so serious about God doing something and you're so serious about God hearing your prayer that you're willing to come before the God of gods and say, God, I need this. God, I want this so bad. God, I, I need you to hear me. That Lord, I'm willing to do without. If you hear my prayer, I want to tell you what, buddy. You say what you want to say. And I know the day we're living in. I know this is 2020, but I'm telling you, Fasting and prayer still works. Yeah. 
it still works. That set time, God has a set time for satisfying that prayer request. How about this? Number two, the set time may be when you're willing to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and get right. Humble yourself and get right. Humble yourself and get back in church. People are amazing. They act like they want God to do something miraculous in their life, and yet they're not willing to do the bare necessities. Preach, I just don't understand why God's not working. Ask a question. Where were you the other night? Well, I, I had something to do. Well, God did too. And he figured since you didn't take it any more seriously, why should he take your request seriously? Yeah, that's not popular preaching anymore, brother, but it's still good preaching, amen. You know, where you just come to that self, uh, to that place in your life where you say, Lord, I need this so bad, God, I'm, I'm willing to humble myself as a child. I'm, I'm willing to get right. Lord, I'm willing to show up to church. Lord, I, I haven't read my Bible in many days or many weeks, but God, I'm willing to, to get back into your word. I'm willing to get back into my prayer closet. And, and listen, when you humble yourself before the Lord, I want to tell you what, you better look out because God is getting ready to do great things in your life. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, very first one, isn't it? Shall humble themselves. Before the prayer, before the seeking his face, before turning from their wicked ways, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. Then while I hear from heaven and, for, and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You say, Pastor, we're going to be done in just a minute. What are we going to do in America? We're in a mess. So, Brother Mike mentioned this. Churches within, if there was no traffic, churches within 25 miles of where Brother Zach is today, the governor is threatening to arrest the pastor. Arrest the pastor. And the state of California is threatening to shut off all water and all power to the churches that assemble today. That's happening in America. By the way, and, 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 and Brother Mike's right. You know what, what happens in California usually funnels its way across country. So it's very possible that it could be making its way to North Carolina. You say, preacher, what should we do? I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to pray. We ought to fast. We ought to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, it's our fault. We're the reason we've gotten this mess. And God, we need you more than we need President Trump, more than we need uh, the right kind of politician, more than we need education, more than we need a social program. Oh, God, we got to have your help. We got to have your touch. And I'm telling you, if America would humble themselves and begin to cry out to a holy God, I'm going to tell you what, if we return to him, he will return to us. Set time. Did you know the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse number 6, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Yes, sir. 
but giveth grace unto the humble. A set time. You say, Pastor, I, I, I want my prayers answered. Well, that set time may be when you get so serious that you're willing to do without. That set time may be when you're willing to humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just going to listen. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm going to get right. It could be there's somebody here this morning that just needs to get right. All right. Everybody ready? This third one's a tough one. How about this? Number, number next is this. The set time may be when you're willing to, and I couldn't get all this on your screen, but the set time may be when you're willing to forgive and pray. Here's the rest of it. For those who have offended you. You say, preacher, I, I want God to hear my prayer. All right, I ask a question. Who has offended you recently? Are you willing to forgive them? And then are you willing to couple that, with that forgiveness with prayer? Now, I'm gonna, this is not for the faint of heart. This is not for those that are carnal. This is not for those that are spiritually immature. I'm talking about mature 101 today. I mean, listen, you know what? If you really want your prayers answered, it means this. It means forgiving those who have wronged you, forgiving those who have cheated you, forgiving those who have gossiped about you, forgiving those who have maligned you, and then turning around and lifting their name up in prayer and praying for them. Say, preacher. I'm not willing to do that. Well, don't expect God to come through until you're willing to do what God wants you to do. Now, I want to show you something real quick. I want to show you something. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to Job, the book of Job. Job chapter 42. Most of you know the story. Job is, oh my, Satan's come against him. He has... Taking everything Job had. He's taken, his, he's taken Job's children, all ten. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to the funeral home or to the church for the funeral and there are ten caskets, ten caskets up along the front of the church. The devil's taken all ten of Job's children. He's taken Job's health. He's taken Job's livestock. He's taken Job's homes. He's taken uh, Job's health. He's taken Job's prosperity, his success. And here Job is, here Job is. The Bible says sitting, he's covered from head to foot with boils, sore boils, and he's sitting in the ash heap just trying to get a little comfort, scraping himself with a potsherd, scraping the corruption out of those sores. He looks like a leper. And then the Bible says that Job lifts up his eyes and there were some friends. I'll use that term lightly. There were some friends that came to comfort, to comfort Job. And you also know that story probably. And the Bible says they came and boy, they tore into Job something fierce. And they said, Job, God's judging you. That's why these things have happened in your life. God's judging you. You're probably wicked. You're a sinner. God's judging you. By the way, those men had no earthly idea why God was allowing that to happen. In fact, Job, at one point, Job said to those friends, he said, miserable comforters. 
are you all? Man, you came to encourage me and you've discouraged me and you've lambasted me with criticism. And and boy, they just really, they tore Job to pieces. Can I show you though, when God turned things around for Job, would you look at Job 42? This is good, church. Job 42, verse number 10. Here it is. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job, here it is, when he prayed for his what? When he prayed for his friends. Look at this last part. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know, here were, the, here were these men that criticized and accused Job of things, terrible things, hurtful things. Man, I mean, listen, with friends like this, who needs enemies? And I mean, Job, Job's already in the ash heap. I mean, he's as low as low can be. And then these guys come in and they literally just begin to tear him to shreds. But you know what the Bible says about Job? Job began to pray for them. And the Bible says as Job began to pray for those men that God began to turn the captivity of Job around. And he gave Job twice as much as he had before. Hey, Calvary, listen to me. You've got a need right now. You've got a prayer request you need to answer. I'll tell you what you do. You think about that one person in your life that just irritates the fire out of you and put them at the top of your prayer list. And don't pray for God to kill them. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> oh, God, send fire. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting in your prayer closet and say, Lord, I don't understand them all, but Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you help them? Lord, would you give them grace? God, would you help them to follow you? God, that man's got a wife. Would you bless his wife? And he's got, he's got several children. Would you bless his children? And by the way, it's amazing. When you begin to pray for those who have hurt you, all of a sudden business picks up. And the God of God pays attention, and he's just liable to have a set time for answering your prayer request. We're done. Let's bring this thing to a close. How about this? Last of all, that set time may be when you're willing to pray unceasingly. When you're willing to pray unceasingly. When God senses your spirit of importunity. Importunity. Not opportunity. Importunity. Now, importunity, what is, what's importunity, preacher? Well, that's when you just grab hold of the horns of the altar and you just will not let go. Can I show it to you? Would you take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Luke with me? And we're done. Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 11, I got several different ones I want to show you this morning. But maybe we'll just get through one of these. Luke chapter 11, and look at verse number 5. This is so good. Luke chapter 11, verse number 5, the Bible says, And he said, Unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Verse 7, and he from within, the one that has the bread, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door's now shut, and my children are with me in bed. It's bedtime. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, verse 8, I say unto you, 
though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Yet because of his what? Importunity. He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And Jesus said in verse number nine, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In other words, this man came to his friend at midnight, and he said, friend, he said, I've got some guests that have come into my house, and I don't have any groceries. He said, would you give me some bread? And his friend hollered out of the window probably and said, man, what in the world are you? It's bedtime. The kids are asleep. You're going to wake up the babies. Uh, come back tomorrow. He said, I can't come back tomorrow. i got to have some bread. He said, man, it's bedtime. Go home. He said, I need some bread. 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 I need Need some bread. Hey, friend, I need some bread. Well, he slams the window and the guy picks up little pebbles and he starts throwing pebbles at the window. And his friend comes over and says, I need some bread. I need some bread. I need some bread. And uh, man, he goes to bed and all of a sudden he gets a ding on his cell phone and uh, a message. And he looks at the message and it says, I need some bread. I need some bread. I need some bread. All of a sudden he hears a ding on his computer and he goes over to the computer and there's an email and it says, I need some bread. I need some bread. I need some bread. And the Bible says, Although he is his friend, he doesn't give it to him because of that. He gives it to him because of his importunity. He just won't leave him alone. Hey, listen. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I need a miracle from God. Then you grab a hold of God, grab a hold of heaven, and pray, 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 pray. And then you pray some more, and then you pray some more, and then you pray the next day, and then you pray the next hour, and you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And I'm here to tell you, based upon the authority of this book I preach, there is a God in heaven that has the power to hear and answer your prayers. Dr. Tom Williams is preaching in a meeting. And all of a sudden, the invitation's given. And a guy in his 30s steps out and makes his way down toward the altar. There was a little old lady in that church toward the back. And boy, she came unglued. I mean, shouting. I'm talking about old-fashioned shouting. Well, that church was a little reserved. And they weren't used to that. And boy, she was giving it what for back there. I mean, got that little... Got that little hanky, you know, it's more for show than blow. Amen, you know what I'm talking about? Wrap that hanky around her finger. Whoa! I mean, she was shouting. Church was petrified, you know. I mean, just shouting. And Dr. Williams said from the pulpit, he said, Sister, what are you shouting about? And she said, Preacher, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for 37 years. I prayed. She said, that was my nephew that just walked the aisle. She said, I've got a reason to shout. And by the way, she did have a reason to shout. God had a set time. And God has a set time for you. Don't get aggravated. Well, I guess God's, just, God's not concerned. God's concerned. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep humbling yourself. Keep believing God. And there is a God in heaven that has the wherewithal to answer our prayers. Father, I thank you for your blessings. And thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary again today. Wow, what a service. 
God, somebody needs a breakthrough. There's somebody here this morning that needs a miracle. There's somebody here this morning that needs deliverance. There's somebody here this morning that's been fighting the powers of darkness. And God, they feel like if if they don't get something soon, they're going to falter. God, I pray today that you'd help some people to come. Lord, maybe some need to come today and say, God, I'm not going to quit praying. Maybe others need to come today and say, God, if you want me to fast, I'll fast. I'll do without. Maybe some need to come today and just humble themselves before God and get right and say, Lord, I've sort of been playing church. It's time to get things right. God, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Heavenly Father, do that which only you can do. We're asking for some miracles today. Have your way now, Lord, please. And we sure thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. Folks are making their way to the front. I wonder how many may be here today. You'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know that I know that I know that I am saved going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that, would you slip your hand up this morning? Hallelujah. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Can I ask you this? And I promise you, I will not embarrass you. I'll not come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I've never done that. I won't start today. But I'll tell you what I would like to do. Man, I sure would like to pray for you. I wonder how many are here today. You'd say, preacher, between me and the Lord, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know that I know. And I, I need to be saved. And right now, you slip your hand up and let me remember you in prayer. Is there one like that anywhere? God bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Who else this morning? Preacher, I don't know. I don't know that I know. I need you to remember me this morning, right now. You slip your hand up. Come on. Let me pray. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Is there another? Is there another? Yes. God bless you. Thank you so much. Calvary. What's well, time to pray? I appreciate honesty. Who else today? Right before I pray, I want to get you in on this prayer. Is there anybody else? Just say, Pastor, I don't know that I know that I know. I want you to pray for me. Is there one more anywhere? You'd raise your hand real high so I can remember you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to miss you. I'm going to pray for these that have raised their hands in a special way. And I know you're praying as well. Maybe there's somebody here today who would say, Pastor, I am saved, but you know what? I've strayed. I've strayed. It's time to humble myself and get right with the Lord. I want to encourage you to come today. Let's all stand all around the house this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. And God, I thank you for 
the tremendous spirit of worship that's in this house this morning. We want to thank you for it. and We don't want to take it for granted. God, I thank you for these that are in the altar. And then I want to thank you for those that have raised their hands today who were honest before the Lord and said that they're just, they don't have that assurance. They don't know that they know that heaven's their home. Father, I pray in just a moment, as these are praying around the altar, I pray that those that have raised their hands, I pray they shall come. And I pray that God, they'll allow us to take God's word and show them how they can be saved, how they can know, how they can know for sure they're going to heaven. Father, have your way, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name.